What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, hockey world. It is February 24th, 2017, and it would be Friday if that matters to anyone. Go ahead. I'm Mike Lagello. And I'm Eckler. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at this time. And I'm sorry I'm talking so quickly. I've been in that mode all day of quick talking and trying to get things done fast. Um, because we are things are just accelerating into the trade deadline now. Um, more so than I the last couple of years. And I, I really hate to say that because I have a feeling it will just be bored out of our minds. But <laughs> just really, But for what it's worth, I mean... Just because trades aren't made doesn't mean that rumors don't happen. That's 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 what I've learned, you know. Like so, we can sit there and have no trades be made, but my God, rumors were going like crazy throughout the entire thing. So that's where that's where I'm at right now, Mike. Well, uh, yeah, I, believe me, I have a I'm compiling a list of talking points to discussion points that we can talk about on Wednesday in case there aren't a lot of trades. But yeah. uh, I, I mean, I have a feeling there will be uh, there'll maybe be more than last year. And less than you know some of the more recent years when we had a bunch of little trades. I just I, I I'm optimistic that there'll be something. I just don't know if there's going to be anything really really impactful. Yeah, I mean like we've seen a couple of these small trades so far. You know, uh, we might see we'll see more of those for sure. They always happen, but um, there's less money than ever been out there before. We talked about that before. There's definitely less money to be spent. I would love to do a research on that. I should do that every year. I should go around and go back and see. Exactly how much cap space there was. Well, I mean, see, there's mon there's money, but it's a question of whether teams want to avail themselves of the, you know, like there are teams that have money that they can put on long term injury and open up space, but is it in their budget? You know, do, does does Tampa I mean, Tampa Bay put Tampa Bay put Stamkos on LTIR early in the season? Are they going to put Ryan Callahan on our LTIR if they haven't already to open up more space, or are they in sell mode? And I know that you mentioned something about Ben Bishop uh, in your in your blog. Are they in sell mode, and that that, that means it doesn't really matter? That means that they're going to sell off players, and uh, they're just you know they're not going to go try to make a charge for a playoff spot. Right, right, and uh, we might be joined by Kevin Allen shortly. And I was not sure whether I wanted to hold off on talking about this whole Shattenkirk thing until he got here or not. But we will we'll give him a little bit more time. He's also chasing stuff, so we might not be able to join us right now. Things are kind of fluid all over the place. But let's let's start with Berglund because Berglund just signed a contract. Um, yeah. We could, and that that's the breaking news that's just out. Um, five year, three point nine million per year. I guess it is. Uh yeah, three point eight, three point eight five. Yeah, so no. which take yeah. that extra five hundred thousand, we'll be good to go. Um, yeah. so. I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely take it. Believe me, you and I could live happily on that. We'll be fine. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so so three point eight five, three point nine was the big difference. Here we go. So um, there you have it. Uh, that's yeah. So that just happened, and it's fascinating that this would happen today. I think, um, given what happened apparently yesterday, and the timing on this, I believe, was yesterday morning. Um, and I want to do some history on this Shattenkirk Tampa thing for a second. Okay. Um, as you guys remember, I hopefully if, if you're paying attention, or you know, even if you're not, I have been I we I've been talking about Tampa and Shattenkirk since the very beginning, and I've been saying that that is the place he's most likely heading. And 
you know, I even brought up on the show, am I the only one, because I was getting concerned, that am I the only one saying this, like, a couple days ago, remember I said, am I the only one who still thinks Shattenkirk going to Tampa? Um, and uh, I was the only one at that point, too. So then last night, word comes out that he turned down a trade. Um, and since then, other things have come out that he's turned down other trades, um, that he turned down a trade to Arizona, that he turned down a trade to Edmonton. Now, the Edmonton one was reported before, and I had heard that as well, that that was something that, you know, we knew that, you know, that once they, that when they moved Hall for, you know, Larson, I had, I had been told there was a better trade that fell through for them at the last minute and that they felt like at that point they had to move Hall because they were pretty much committed to it. And, and, they and the Arizona one was, was reported. It's just a question of when, when that when happened. I mean, yesterday yeah. came out that it happened in November. I mean, the thing was that there were rumors about that around the time that they made the trade for Goligoski, which was back in the summer. So I mean, it was it wasn't one hundred percent sure when that was, but you know, it makes it made sense uh, because you know Arizona is looking to you know build build their blue line especially. Um, but the Tampa one, yeah, I mean, you called it, but I, honestly, it, after the the details of that came out, I think there is no, you know, there's no right now no indication or no, I think chance that he signs. Uh, or that he takes a deal that's a sign and trade. It just doesn't add up because, yeah, I mean the the, the parameters of that deal was a seven year deal, forty two million dollars, six million AAV, and that's Tampa where there is no state tax, and that just tells me that he wants to test the market and he right. thinks he can get more than that on the open market, and he may be right. We are joined by the great and only Kevin Allen of USA Today. Hello, Kevin. Well, hello. I'm happy to be here. Um, I, I think I can jump right on this. We must be talking about the Shattenkirk yeah. uh, turning down the contract. I, you know, I think it has less to do with the money and more to do about where he wants to play. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the one thing that we have um, sort of learned in the salary cap era is, is that everybody's going to get their money and they're going to get a lot of it. And everybody's sort of, I mean, obviously money plays a role in it, but I think what's happened is there's been sort of a shift where players kind of want to go where they want to go. Yeah. And I think that's what that was about. I mean, not, not that there's anything wrong with Tampa Bay um, because as Mike said, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to go there. First of all, they're a highly competitive team. They've got yeah. Stamkos, they got Hedman, they've got, um, Great place um, to live. I mean, yeah, they've got, you know, Kucherov, I mean, all that kind of stuff. And you know, the money is pretty good, no state tax and so forth. But, you know, if he's got his heart set on playing with the New York Rangers, which has been rumored for a while, I don't know whether it's true, but it's been rumored. It's starting to look that way, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah. this, this this is a sign. I mean, it's one thing to turn down a trade to Edmonton or Arizona, right? Like he be rumored to be done before as well. But it's another thing to Tampa, which is an East Coast team, like you said, a great place to live. It makes you really believe that he's got a place, that he's got it in his head, that he's got a that he's got a place he wants to go. Well, yeah, well, yeah, and and I I really respect players for that. Like I I respect players that. You know, are are you know have decide? Okay, I, I have free agency. It's not just about the money. It's about you know going to a place that he wants to play because maybe he loves the tradition or maybe he's always been fascinated by, sure. uh, you know, the uh, playing in Madison Square Garden or he likes New York City for whatever the reason. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, I mean, I I I'm not surprised at any of that. I think if you know you have this one big shot in the prime of your career to move and you should take advantage of it because you know you may get two or three kicks at the free agent can yeah. but it's the the best time is is when 
you know, you're in that in the prime of your career, which he is. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's when you have to really take advantage of it. Because the next time around, you, you won't be the same. But but obviously he can't come out and say this is the place I want to go to because I mean they're they I mean Darren Drager yesterday reported that the the Maple Leafs are still kicking the tires on Shattenkirk which I personally you know may I, I they'd be foolish not to be keeping an eye on the situation but I I always get the feeling Kevin when Toronto is in the mix with a big name it's because it's Toronto and because it will keep the it'll keep every other team on their toes and maybe pay that little extra that maybe sometimes there's not genuine interest there, but it's more about getting Toronto into the mix. And, and that's, that's the feeling I get. I, I don't think Toronto is in the position to pay Shattenkirk $7 million because I don't think that's the type of defenseman that they need. But I think until July the 1st, when he's going for, you know, when he finally decides on the team, I think Toronto is still going to be mentioned because it keeps his name out there. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I think it's it's very similar to, you know, in the Detroit Red Wings in the pre-salary cap era. Like, if you said um, that the Red Wings uh, at, at at any player, any major player that was available, if you said made the statement that the Red Wings were in on that player, <laughs> it, it would have been true. It would have been true because. Um, yeah. Ken Holland's style of management is is that he looks at every available player, right. and then decides whether or not you know they should should do anything. And in those days, you know they they had uh, you know the biggest budget, and so they could go after who they want. So you know if this were uh, the pre salary cap year, the Red you could say the Red Wings are in on Shattenkirk because you know you you know that Holland would investigate. Well, I think the same is true for the Maple Leafs, is what Mike was saying. Yeah. Big player. They're they're a, a you know an 800 pound gorilla in this league in terms of their ability to you know be uh, an important factor and I'm sure they've reviewed this and you know whether or not they're a leading contender I would doubt it but they're there yeah they're, they've got to be there and I, I no I think that's definitely right now the question to me becomes a couple things a couple things an interesting twist on this stuff getting out for Shattenkirk the way this plays that that to me is the interesting thing because this that this gets out that this happened. How much does that possibly change the way St. Louis approaches Shattenkirk now at the deadline? Because now there's, it becomes weird suddenly when a player – I guess Shatt, from Shattenkirk's side of things, I just guess he could just say, listen, I turned it down. You know, I, I'm not going. Um, so he could just be – he's fine with – and people will be fine with him staying there. I, I think what the effect that this has right now is it, it, it ends the possibility of the sign and trade. If he wasn't going to take that deal with Tampa Bay, then, like, like Kevin said, he must have a destination or two that he wants to go to, and unless those teams make a trade for him, I think you know it opens it up because he doesn't have a no-trade clause in his contract. It opens it up to anybody who thinks that they're a defenseman away from being a Stanley Cup contender or a Stanley Cup winner, and he it's going to be a pure rental. Now, that lowers the price – of what St. Louis can get, but they still get a good return for him as a rental. But I just, I think, it, yeah. But that's my point. Does this point? Does this get to the point where, where St. Louis just doesn't move him, the, where they just sit back and yeah. say, I don't think so. I, I see. I, I think the the, uh, I don't think the sign and trade, like, I, I, I can imagine that prior to that happening, that the Blues felt, or knew, or guessed that. That he wasn't going to go there, because you know, you know that wasn't like no one really thought that was really a uh, 
was a likely occurrence, a sign and trade. Um, because when you get to this position, again, because you're in the, the prime of your career, it seems foolish not to at least explore your options, you know, sure. you know, and, unless the offer is so overwhelming. So I'm, I'm guessing when Doug Armstrong, you know, agreed to that and even Tampa Bay, I bet they thought, you know, that it was no better than 50-50, but, but probably less that he was going to do that. So I don't think it does change everything. I, I think they've known all along they were going to have to trade him as a rental. And I think the price will still be high. I think it will be a first-round pick um, and, uh, you know, a, a very good prospect. I, I don't think it precludes the possibility of him getting traded and that team eventually signing him. But I think what it does eliminate is the guarantee or the lock-in of him you know, right as the deal happens, he's gonna, you know, if if it, if he gets traded to, you know, wherever Calgary, I'm just using it as an example, but that's, you know, he's gonna get a chance to play there. He'll get a chance to get a feel for the organization, and if he likes it, then he might be open to the possibility. But there's no guarantee right at the beginning that he's gonna sign a deal. Yeah, and I I think he'll go to July one no matter what. Right. You know, yeah. just just because. You know, he he is the 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 spotlight um, free agent defenseman. I, I before I thought he was the number one uh, free agent, but now I think it's actually T.J. Oshie. But um, yeah, um, but he's he's certainly the top defenseman. If you look at the, I you know I I did my top twenty five free agents for the summer, and my boss's reaction to it was, "Wow, it's really not a great year for free agents," <laughs> and and. Uh, uh, I think that's that's true. So the guys at the top of that list, you know, really, um, you know, stand out. And Oshie and, and Santa Kirk, it seems like it would be foolish for them not to see what's available. It's such a weird year for free agents because of the expansion draft, too. Like, there's just, that's the other thing. Because it's, it's, it's almost as if Vegas is going to just be able to pick who they want from that, from that list. When I looked at that list, Kevin, I'm like, okay, because they've got all the money. Well, they have all the money, but, uh, you know, our, our – players really going to want to go there. I mean, I just got yep. done saying that I really felt that yeah. now destination, destination, destination. And, you know, some of them might because, you know, Vegas could overpay. And to be honest with you, they probably will have to overpay just to get to the floor. Right. Uh, <laughs> I agree. You know, so, you know, it, it behooves them to maybe do that. You know, if I was Vegas, though, and, and we'll get Mike's thought in this, too. I mean, if I was going to have to overpay, I think I'd overpay for character and leadership. Like uh, rather than overpay for a guy that maybe isn't worth the money in terms of the, um, uh, you know, production and so forth. But, you know, if you could get a good guy that you knew was going to be able to help, you know, bring younger players along and so forth, I, I'd rather pay him the extra money than, you know, to overpay a. Um, a star player or somebody who can or, score. Or, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like I wouldn't overpay Redeem Verbata. Or Martin Hansel, or someone like that, who are really good players, but I wouldn't overpay their value. But but maybe I would, to, you know, to take in sort of an older player who has a reputation for um, being able to help and to sort of be an assistant coach on the ice. Right. If, if you're going to have to overpay, I think that's I think that's got T.J. Oshie written all over it. Um, just and and I mean honestly, think about it if you're if from Vegas's perspective. First of all, like you say, he's probably the best free agent out there. You can you can't overpay him because not only are you getting you know a great player, you're getting a a, a great you know um, shootout player and all that stuff, but you're also getting a, a actual star player in, into your market when you're a brand new team. 
I mean, you know, Oshie will, he's, he's known throughout the country. He's one of those few players, you know, in America that everybody remembers. So it's hockey people. Um, well, from, you know, from what he did in the US Olympics. It just feels like they'll just go crazy and, and offer him a ton of money. They might, but the one thing that I would, like in the, in the example of Oshie, unless Washington wins the cup this year, he's a player in his late 20s who's never won. Yeah. And, if he, and if you go and sign a five or six year deal with Vegas, you're basically guaranteeing the rest of your career you're not going to win a Stanley Cup unless somebody to put on the billboards in Vegas. You need somebody. But I just don't think I agree with Mike. I just don't know that he would do that. Um, you know, I mean, it's still about winning. He's going to get his money. Yeah. You, know, he goes. you know, unless it, I mean, are, are you suggesting they're going to give him Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves money? Yeah, I'm, I'm suggesting like seven and a half million. Yeah, the, no, I, I, I see. I, I think I, I agree with Kevin. Might be worth it to them because the, also they have to sell shirts. Who, I mean, they got to who, whose shirt are you going to sell? Like whose shirt are you going to sell? But I'm just saying, if, he, if they get off from seven and a half million, he's not going to do it. They right. might not do it. Yeah. So I, I agree with Kevin that they'll they'll bring in character guys, and I don't know if the, you know. I'm mean, I'm just using you know picking a couple guys off the top of my head who I know are UFAs. Uh, who you know maybe nearing the tent at the tail end of their career, but guys like Brooks, like guys like Steve Ott, you know, bringing those guys as 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 role players. But I, I think Brooks like has a huge like relationship. No, with no, not, well, so no, no, but no. I mean with McPhee and like you could totally see Brooks like being there. That that uh, and, and Steve Ott makes a lot of sense too. Like Steve, yeah. Steve Ott is a just a real character guy. So, but yeah. in terms in terms of your jersey selling act, I mean, a guy who I think. The, the team that would be maybe willing to move on from him because of his big salary and is a is still a you know a big name is Rick Nash and if if the Rangers get Rick Nash to remove his no move clause and he either goes in expansion to Vegas or gets traded to Vegas there's a 7.8 million dollar cap hit that helps them with for, for the first year satisfy the cap ramifications and they can flip him at the deadline and reserve fifty percent of his salary, and they get a they get a player who's a prominent name at least for a short period of time. I think that would work possibly. See, I, I think the guy that's going to sell the jerseys for them, it'll it, it'll be like he sure the you know a draft pick uh, they're going to get or uh, Patrick, um, you know one of those type players, the young player they'll probably put him in the lineup, um, and you know they might get a name player or two. Um, um, you know that, that just from a big contract standpoint, as Mike just pointed out, it could be like that. So, uh, but I, I think the one thing with Vegas is, you know, new new teams have the the honeymoon period. Like yeah. when you need to sell the jerseys is like the third and fourth year. You yeah. Know, by then you need to have a play. Like in the first year, you know, just the the Vegas Golden Knights will enough be enough alone, and there will be, you know, the first. I'm guessing the first pick is going to be on the roster. Um, who, yeah, whoever right. who that is. Now, maybe not. Maybe they they won't want to damage him and put him back. But what's um, McPhee's history? McPhee is kind of like relatively conservative, isn't he? Like in general, if you look at his history. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. yeah, he does. I tried to look at him. Like he, he likes to build from the defense out, right? He's a guy who likes to build from the defense out for the most part. Well, Russ would be Russ would be better prepared to to answer this, but I think a guy like Patrick or a guy like Heeshear would have a chance of making their for you know making their roster if they took a defenseman like Liljegren. I think he would probably be a year or two where they'd want him to play either in Sweden or play in you know the yeah Liljegren. By the way, is I I wish Russ was here because I I've been told by NHL teams that he has really fallen on most people's lists. 
Yeah, there's some there's some conflicting info because there are some people who, I guess, uh, he played in some tournament just recently where he looked really good, um, and I know that he was weakened by mono early in the in the in the year, and but now he's now he's apparently back. But I, you know, yeah, Russ Russ would know better. Yeah, I, yeah, he would be better at that than I. Yeah, we'll definitely have more time to talk about Vegas. I guess we should talk about other things before we. Well, let, let me bring this up because Jim Rutherford was on. Uh, show at noon and talked about the fact that even though they just got Ron Hainsey, he's open to the the possibility of picking up another defenseman. And after seeing the news and I'm, you know, I'm just putting two and two together. There's no rumor about this, but after seeing the news about Dallas with Johnny Oduya skating after having his ankle problem for the, like the last six weeks, I just have a feeling that that might be the direction that they go. Or or Brendan Smith, uh, Brandon. or Kyle Quincy. I, they they have some interest in Kyle Quincy as well. Now Kyle Quincy is a million dollar player, so you know there's no going to be no cap salary cap issue there, and I think that's a crucial as well. I mean they they just want to have depth, and they want you know they saw last year what happens. They you know they lost yeah. Trevor Daly, remember, and uh, yeah, you know they they found a way to to persevere. Yeah, yeah. Stepped up and. Rocked yeah. it. And it was a crazy, crazy year for them. And but you're right. I think that that makes sense that they would go after somebody, you know, like that. I mean, I've heard I've heard Cody Franz's name mentioned as well. I think he's a little more expensive, right? So he's over yeah. three million dollars. Yeah, so. I I don't see Cody Franz being a good fit there. But um, I I see any of those players that I mentioned, yeah, you know, would work fine. You know, it's it's funny though. Like um, I had talked to Jim Rutherford uh, earlier in the year, and he talked about the fact that. Um, you know, at some point they may add uh, some defensive depth, and he kind of made a joke about how well you know it's possible that we we could acquire a a twenty some minute defenseman, but on our defense, he said he might actually have to play a lot less than that, and <laughs> you know, and that that actually is the truth. I mean, if once everybody's healthy, Hainsey, who was playing twenty two minutes and a first pairing defenseman, right in Carolina, could end up being third pairing defenseman. That's interesting. So, the one thing about that Pittsburgh defense, and and Eck, you can speak to this too, like um, because you watched the final. Like, yeah. there, as hard as it is to say this, because he is always mentioned in the Norris Trophy mix, but like Chris Letang is actually uh, underrated, in my opinion, as a one-on-one -on -one defender. Like, like, oh, yeah. he, you know, we think of him and we think of his skating ability and how dynamic he is, but he is a feisty, prickly. Yeah. <laughs> one on one defender. Like certain one of those words. Yeah. Um he yeah. is definitely <laughs> I've heard lots of I mean Latang, you're right. You're dead on right. And and the thing about Latang I think that people forget or don't really recognize um is that he has gotten a lot better in his career. Um where he, I, and I think in the first few years of his career he was immature on some things he did yeah. and he would make but he's he's his maturing has made him really dangerous. Uh, there were, but there was a period of time when he just would, would take really dumb penalties, or would would you know dive or take a dive or whatever, and try to draw a penalty. But he yeah, but what he reminds me of, you know, when you watch that cartoon and there's the the guy trying to walk into his home from his driveway after coming home from work, and there's a dog that's grabbed his pant leg and won't let go. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's Latang. Yeah, defensively, Latang oh. is just. Just doesn't quit defensively. He annoys the heck out of people. And yeah, he's he's, he's, not, he's gotten he's better. Not, 
to the point where he doesn't take penalties now, and that's that's what really makes him. Well, I mean, Nick, he he is he. I mean, he'll like, still take some penalties, but he's, he's just a border, he's a borderline guy. The, the the guy I the guy I sort of compare him to, Kevin. If you remember early in his career, Boreas Salmon got pushed around a lot. He was a very skilled player, but got pushed around a lot, especially by the Flyers. And then he became a master stick guy. He, you know, he was a guy you go into the corner with him, and if you mess with him, he was gonna he was gonna carve you up. Uh, with like like he had a samurai sword, and in a way, Latang is like that. Latang, if you mess with him, he's not the biggest defenseman in the world, but if you mess with him, he will ruin you, and, and he can do that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's, you know, he does he has no quit in him, and he's got he's got a mean streak, and he's ruthless, and you know he's uh, he'll hang on to your pant leg, uh, you know, as you try to walk through the door, like he, yeah, I've been very very impressed with him over the last two or three years and his improvement you know, defensively. And, uh, you know, it, it's similar in my mind to, uh, you know, Brian Rafalski, you know, when he was with the doubles, uh, the initial uh, read on Rafalski is, you know, he was a very good transition defenseman, an offensive guy. Uh, but as time wore on, um, he became known as a guy that just gave no quarter. Like I'm, I mean, the, the image I always have of Rafalski is he had perfected the move of squeezing a player out along the boards. Like the guy would drive, try to drive wide on him, and Rafalski would just sort of ease him into the boards until the guy had no room, zero room <laughs> uh, to, to get in. He, he, like, he just perfected that in New Jersey and made himself into a, uh, a really strong uh, defensive one-on-one uh, -on -one player. And uh, Latang is that I – you know, I always list him among my most underrated players, even though everybody knows he's a really exceptional player. But I don't think people know how strong he is defensively. I think he's much more competitive one-on-one -on -one than he gets credit for. Why do all these great offensive teams tend to have that guy like, that's underrated to a degree like that? Because and they just people don't realize that you know that how much how important it is for the defense to get the puck to the stars up front is just vital. I mean, without that. You know, you end up you, you those stars up front don't aren't putting up the kind of numbers that they are, which is you know McDavid getting back to Darnell Nurse for example. You know that that's a huge thing for McDavid. Um, you know, and and you know there were points of which you know in Philadelphia when they when they people would laugh about them signing Andy McDonald to the contract they signed it to, but they did that because he was one of the only defensemen that could get the puck up to Claude Giroux, and um, and they needed that at the time. But um, just as but just as Edmonton is about to get Darnell Nurse back, Larson got injured recently. Sakara hurt his hand blocking a shot. So, you know, they may be in the market for a defenseman still. I mean, because, I mean, we don't know the severity of those injuries, but I think that opens up the possibility of them being in that rental market. That's you know, the, the most fun about the trade deadline to me is um, how the uh, – you know, in a normal course of conversation about the NHL season, you know, Kyle Quincy and Brendan Smith and Michael Delzato, uh, and, you know, these are not guys <laughs> that to focus upon. Right. At the trade deadline, they seem far more valuable. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And they get, they get, you know, top billing at T on TSN, you know. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, because they're, you know, those are the, those are the options for improving your team. So, you know, when there's only six or eight guys available, um, you know, it, it just enhances their value. But, you know, on trade deadline day, when Brendan Smith is traded, we will talk as if, you know, like, he is a missing piece type defenseman, even though, you know, he, he probably never lived up to expectations in Detroit. Like, I, I find the guy to be, uh, 
And I think this is why he has so many teams interested in him. He's a great teammate. Like, right. like you know, when when uh, trouble breaks out, he's at the front of the line. You know, well, he's not he's not a heavyweight fighter, but he'll he'll go there. I you saw know? some I saw some interesting speculation regarding because you know we all, everybody the Rangers I saw the Rangers and the Leafs play last night, and the Rangers clearly need a point man on the power play. They're using Brady Shea, who I think is a good young player, but they you know and they and during the playoffs they don't want to put McDonough on the power play because he's going to be playing so many five on five minutes. So they really need a power play point guy. And, you know, that, that's all the reason behind them potentially getting Shattenkirk. But there was some speculation about the Rangers being interested in Brendan Smith. And it went to the fact that Brendan Smith played with McDonough and Derek Stepan at, in, at Wisconsin and would fit right in with the Rangers right away. And it would be a good fit as a rental guy. And, I mean, stranger things have happened. That might be something. I mean, I don't think that's in the head of Jeff Gordon, but you know, I think the Rangers do need that one more defenseman because I don't think Adam Clendenning and Nick Holden is going to really cut it when it gets down to it in the playoffs. Well, I mean, what it comes down to, like if you're the Rangers, I mean, do you want to give up a first round pick and, you know, one of your uh, um, best prospects um, to get Shattenkirk or you want to take a chance now, um, Brendan Smith actually has good offensive instincts. He's never really reached the level that had been projected for him in terms of his offense. But, he, you know, he was a mighty offensive player at Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, and he has that ability. You know, he has the skating ability. He has offensive instincts. But he's never fully d- developed. Um, he's had a bit of like Jack Johnson in him a little bit where, uh, you know, a little, little too much of a risk taker, although this year he's um, sort of toned it down a little bit. Um, but I think this year he's become a much more effective defenseman because he has sort of toned it down. And I think he has more to give offensively. I think, you know, part of the problem is he sort of came up under Babcock and Babcock didn't appreciate his risk taking. Um, and so because of that, um, I think it's sort of, um, curtailed. Um, and you know, he sort of discouraged Smith from doing the things that made Smith Smith. Um, And, you know, maybe even you could make a case, maybe stunted his growth. Now, I don't know if that's accurate, but, you know, maybe Brendan Smith would have never achieved his his potential. But saying all that, like, he could go somewhere is my point, and he will show more offense than he's had in Detroit. He could run a power play. He has that ability to him. Um, you know, he has uh, the, an offensive knack, and, you know, He's not going to cost you a first-round pick and a top prospect. Yeah. So, you know, I, I could see that as a good fit for the Rangers, to be honest with you. Well, like to your point, Kevin, the other day, Michael Stone was trending on Twitter, you know, like um, – <laughs> yeah. well, Michael Stone was on my list of top ten available yeah. um, of, uh, you know, trade deadline players because he's six foot three. Right. He's played over 300 NHL games. He can slot right in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he can be a dependable defenseman. Yeah. And, you know, when you look what's available, you know, and you didn't have to give up that much for him. What did they give up? Third-round pick and a conditional fifth? Something like that. Yeah, that was it. That was it. I know. And, and 50% of the salary was retained. But yeah. it's it's, it's, oh. it's ironic because Calgary gets stone, and now there are reports today that Calgary uh, is looking to trade and – Dennis Weidman would be open to him being moved before the deadline, you know, sort of you bring in one, you get rid of the other. Um, I mean, 
Weidman has offensive chops. I mean, he has in the past, and that you know, I think they could get what Philadelphia potentially could get for a guy like a Strite. I think Strite's a better power play guy, but I think that the return would be comparable for both of them. Yeah, I think Weidman's too important to Calgary for them to move him. No, nah, he's their number four defenseman, and now Stone is their number. Probably could be their number four defenseman if they move him out. I mean, yeah, but I mean, wouldn't they be stronger if uh, Stone yeah. is? In their third pairing, I, I mean, a lot will depend on how they really feel about their chances. Um, but you know, we talked about this yesterday. Like, I think if you're the Blues, like, there's been talk about, well, maybe the Blues won't trade Shattenkirk because you know they need him. Well, you know, there's nothing preventing the Blues from trading and getting a good return for Shattenkirk and then giving up a, you know, a third round pick or even a second to get somebody back um, that can fill that role. I mean, you know, Shattenkirk. Um, it is one of the league's better puck-moving defensemen, but he's not among the league's best defensive defensemen. Right. As we know. Right. So, right. you know, if you think it, it could help your team maybe to add somebody who maybe gives you a little more defense and you and you feel like you've got enough offense from, um, you know, uh, Petrangelo or Pierangelo and uh, uh, even Perico, who has the, you know, the nasty shot, um, right. you know, that you, maybe you go in that direction. So it's sort of it's, and I know how you much love the three-way trades, but it isn't maybe not so much a three-way trade, but you need three uh, components to it in order to make it work for the Blues. So we love the rumors of three-way, three-way trade rumors. We haven't seen too many of them, as you know. Um, but then that the really, really, it's. I think I think the funny thing about my favorite part of the trade deadline when you were talking about that, you know, you got these guys coming in like this, you can make the big difference. And usually the ones who make the biggest difference are those kind of guys because usually the big players don't move and if they do move they sometimes don't have a big as big impact as some of the other guys will have eventually um but you know i i love the concept of a player getting traded on trade deadline day and playing that night for his new team like that we don't <laughs> it happens very rarely but you do see it once in a while that that to me is the greatest part of the nhl when you get these like you know i think we saw it last year with marty st louis in a way that he actually gets traded in the morning um of the trade deadline and ends up playing that night for the rangers that um two years ago i mean that was something i mean that kind of stuff yeah, no, I, I like all that. I, I, I think the trade deadline, um, the, the NHL has done a really good job of recognizing um, how important this is because there's no other sport that has a trade deadline like the NHL. So, uh, the NBA has um, has gotten uh, has been better, but it's still not quite like the, uh, the NHL trade deadline in terms of the number of participants. Now, last year was sort of an aberration, but yeah, I'm hopeful that we'll pick it up a little bit this year, although – well, you know, there still aren't as many sellers as I think. To that point, Kevin, I mean, and yes, I mean, the parity has, I think, has limited the amount of selling teams, but I think it's also, you know, the cap restrictions and teams spe is spending so close to the cap that they really don't have the room to be able to maneuver or have to get really creative to be able to maneuver. And we thought that like back, but when the last CBA was put into place that the, you know, the cap retention that, which was a Brian Burke idea was something that would, you know, loosen things up. And now it really, I mean, it's gotten to the point where it really, really hasn't loosened it up enough. I mean, we, we know that it's a few years until a new CBA, but do you think that there is going to be anything that could maybe loosen things up more because I, I think that the NHL has to recognize that deadline day is important to their rights holders. You know, they build a, a complete day of broadcasting around the trade deadline. And if all you have is, 
you know, the possibility of Kevin Shattenkirk as the only big move, I, I think it's sort of, uh, it, 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 you know, I don't think it works. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else could be done unless you, you know, you could say they could retain the, you know, the full salary, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I know it's been dis discussed, but yeah. I, I don't think the league cares enough about, uh, you know, the television coverage as much as they like the, uh, just the general attention being paid to it. So, you know, we'll have to kind of see you how that works. Look and see here. Uh, okay. I'm good. All right. All right. So, um, so, um, the the other thing, I mean, I I do think that you know the trade deadline is is more about rumors than actual trades. That's why I think that I think that it, it'll continue to keep because and the funny because the funny thing is the less trades that happen, the more rumors there are. And this is like something that you know that you've known for the longest time because a player like Shattenkirk right now is dominating the rumor rumor mill, right? But at the but the second he's traded, that's done. So now you know. So what ends up happening is with with the TV and and you know and our coverage and stuff like that is. Yeah, it's disappointing when nothing actually happens. But what you end up happening too is the rumors will build and build and build. The more player, more th more nothing happens. It tends to be this whole thing of like you know more people talk about this and more people start to and more players are talking and more teams are talking to other teams. It's fascinating to watch. Like I've been, of course, this has been my life for so long now that I've watched this trend happen the way it happens. It's always fascinating. Well, I think all NHL trade rumors come out of a fake news site in Russia. No way, that's something else. <laughs> That's, no, that was, that's some other thing, yeah. Well played, well played. Yes, they are. The leaks are real, though. Um, so. Yeah, the leaks are the leaks are real. Yeah. Well, the, the, the one the one thing the one thing I think could loosen up things a bit is the results of some games. You know, on the weekend. I mean, we saw Tampa lose to Calgary yesterday. You know, Tampa's at sixty two points. Uh, the last playoff spots at sixty six. Four points is not enough to. I would say throw in the towel, but if they lose a couple more games and the playoffs are eight points away, then maybe Eiserman says, "Okay, I'll trade Bishop. I'll trade Boyle. I'll I'll, I'll sell." Can they explain to me why the Tampa Bay Lightning are where they are? I no, I that, can't. That that is really perplexing to me. I because I like everything about that team. I know. Like I I, I love the 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 what Eiserman does his GM approach. I think Cooper's a terrific coach. Uh, you know, Kucherov's an exciting player. The defense, you know, I, I get that they're they're short a top four defenseman, but you know, many teams are. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like it's not like they're, they're the only flawed team. They're all flawed. You know, teams don't have three defensemen like they have. You know, it's yeah. like no, like I, I just I'm just I'm I'm just troubled to point out, and I think it just kind of shows you that you know sometimes. Uh, Every season, there are just some unexplicable things that happen that you know that can just be explained by bad luck. Uh, you know, if there was any team that was prepared to play the season without Stamkos, I thought they would be able to weather weather sure. the storm. But if you look at their record, they're only four games over five hundred at home. I mean, it's like yeah, they're not they're in a division that's not strong. Like that's the yeah. other thing that's crazy about. Like yeah. they're in a division that they should they should dominate that division. There they is have, no, there's no explanation. They have. And, a, they go on a five or game winning streak. They're in third place in the Atlantic. That's the way. That's the way it is. That's what happened with Florida. If they get things in line, they could jump right back in the race. But every time they win two or three games, they lose a game like they lost last night to Calgary, and then it just sets them back. And you know, you think Ben Bishop is playing great, and then you put Vasilevsky in, and he doesn't play well. I mean, there's something that always keeps them back. 
And the crazy thing is this, like I was talking to a friend of mine, he's a Caps fan, lifelong Caps fan, and he's just so, he said to me, you know how it's going to play out. He's like, this is, you know, as a Caps fan, this is, we're going to win, we're going to win the President's Trip, we're going to be incredible. Tampa's going to get Tampa's back, and they're going to sneak in and get that eighth spot, and they're going to they're destroy us in the first round. That's what's going to happen. And he said that's what he's expecting to happen. Well, here's another thing, too, about uh, how every year is different. Like, you know, I, I've said this on a couple of radio shows. I, you know, I remember specifically that after the Washington-Pittsburgh series, and Barry Trotz was talking about, you know, what had happened in during the series, and he made the point, and it was certainly truth, that um, the Penguin speed wasn't a very important factor. The, the, the Capitals couldn't get their offense going because the Penguins used the speed to be very disruptive to them. They never got it going. Well, the Capitals have been so impressive, scoring five or more goals so often recently. I mean, where everybody's raving about how good they look, but nothing has really changed from last season. The Penguins are still fast, and the, and the Capitals <laughs> are less so. Right, right. than they were before. So does that mean when we get to the playoff series that it's going to re you know, repeat and it's going to be a factor? No, it doesn't mean that at all because every year will be different. And if Hope, if Hopey is a little better, you know, like if, if Hopey stands on his – right? Wasn't it like a seven-game series or – Yeah, but if he's – so yeah. So if uh, – I mean, if – you know – anything could happen is, is my point even though the last year the speed was a big factor that the penguins are still fast and the capitals still aren't but that doesn't mean that when they meet again that'll play out the same way so. <laughs> i want to ask you one more question before we go because i reported this earlier in the week and i've been hearing it again and there's more rumors now coming out um that that um dean lombardi could be moving up stairs in la um and that that rob blake might be taking over as general manager well, I, I hadn't heard that. I mean, I hadn't heard that until I, until uh, you know that came out uh, this week. Um, I, you know, at, at, I if I had to speculate, I would say that isn't something that Dean Lombardi wants to happen. Um, right. You know, he is a general manager at heart. He's one of the hardest working GMs. This is the guy that burns the midnight oil. In fact, it's legendary. Yeah, uh, a lot of his employees have spoken about. You know. Uh, uh, him spending uh, to wee hours in the morning in his office. So I don't know. I mean, uh, if that's what they're attempting to do, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, this is not something Dean Lombardi wants to do. But, you know, we've seen that happen, you know, and even in Philadelphia. Of course, you're well aware of that. Um, um, you know, it's it's happened in, the, in other places as well uh, where the GM has just kind of moved upstairs, even if that's not what he wanted to do, uh, just to get a fresh perspective. But, yeah. um, you know, well, well, I guess we'll have to see um, yeah. who wants to do that. Now, what's interesting is L.A., obviously, and I know, you know, kicking Lombardi upstairs, like I'm assuming, are you saying that would be more like a Brian Burke type? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because um, Luke Robitaille, you know, who is has a hockey operations right. background, is the, the president, but it, that's seen more as a business thing. Um, right. So, you know, yeah. what um, president of hockey operations, yeah, right? operations, something like that. Yeah, yeah. and if, if I, I, I believe this week it was reported that Luke was taking a hockey operations job for for a team in Europe. I think it was in Germany or Switzerland. I think it was Germany. So I don't know if that. I'm not. I'll have to double check on that. But I saw that report, and if that's the case, then that may clear the way for a guy like Blake to take over as a GM. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe he found out that he wasn't in the mix, and I mean, I'm just, yeah, we'll find out. I mean, this—I yeah. didn't hear it was going to happen until after the year, um, of course. But it's just, you know, 
perhaps it could happen sooner. Someone just texted me and said it perhaps it could happen sooner. I don't, I can't imagine what happens sooner, but you know, it's one of those things that it's, it is, it is fascinating because I feel the same way. I know I didn't think it would be something Lombardi would be interested in at all. He's such a survivor there. He's all about, you know, keeping his job and, and staying where he is. He loves it there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, oh. you know, I, I've, I've learned as you have that never say never. And oh, yeah. just because, uh, um, you know, it seems odd to me. doesn't mean that it's not happening. Um, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Um, finally, today, Phil Forsberg, t- double hat-trick. I didn't talk about that. Tatrick's t- in back-to-back games. Um, you know, and this is a, this is the thing with Nashville. They're in that playoff spot right now. If Philip For- but Philip Forsberg does this, right? He gets crazy hot for a couple weeks. Usually this has been his history. I mean, this isn't the first time he's scored back-to-back hat-tricks. Um, so... If Forsberg stays hot, then you can you can put the Predators in the playoffs in my mind. Like the, that that's that's the one that's the one thing that they need desperately. Um, they need him to do that. When he doesn't do that, they they struggle on the border. When he does do that, they're like they were a couple years ago in the beginning of the year. They're a dominant team. Yeah. Well, I, I you know I I think we thought they were going to be good this year. To me, uh, Rene is key to that team as well. Like, how good is he going to play? You know, down the stretch. Um, he's been a very good goaltender for a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you've got to be exceptional uh, to win in the postseason. You know, you got to be in that 930 and above uh, type save percentage. So, oh, for sure. For I sure. Think you think he's one of the keys. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks, Mike. We will be back again tomorrow. Um, oh, no, we won't be. Tomorrow we'll be, I'll be in Pittsburgh tomorrow for the, for, and hopefully we'll be playing the game tomorrow night or we'll be doing it on Sunday. I don't know what's happening yet in the NHL. <laughs> Yeah, so the, the thunderstorms supposedly are in the forecast for tomorrow. So if it's Sunday, I may see you, Kevin, on the weekend. Right. <laughs> it's like 75 degrees outside right now. It's insane. Um, so here in Philadelphia, it's just they, if, I can't imagine, you know, ha- trying to create ice in this weather. But I'm sure they can do it as long as it doesn't rain. But, um, yeah, that's it, <laughs> if it rains, that's a whole other story. Yeah, it's supposed to be – I'm in Michigan. It's supposed to be 70 degrees here today. It's, yeah, it's 77 degrees in Pittsburgh right now. And it's yeah. supposed to be 37 tomorrow in Michigan. <laughs> well, maybe their thinking is, you know, if that's happening, then this storm's coming through. That's That thunderstorm storm sounds like it's bringing a cold front with it. So maybe we'll be seeing a nice weather for an outdoor game on a Sunday. But And then yeah. you get it off in the afternoon. If it's, right. if it's cold enough, they could do it in the afternoon. All right, guys. See okay, you later. Thanks so much. Remember, without the buzz is just hockey. We will talk to you Monday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.